welcome to True Vine Talks with Rachel and Linda. Hello. We've been out for a moment. Yes, some time off during the holidays. Yeah, to recoup. And we're ready for 2024. Yes, Rachel has taught me to rest and decompress. Mm. Mm -hmm. She's modeled it to me, so... I'm grateful. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad I could teach you something. You've taught me so much. Yeah. Yes. So today, Miss Rachel has come up with an amazing podcast idea. And we're going to process obstacles for change. Yeah. Some of the things that like keep people stuck and prevent them from changing. And I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, we're, we've wrapped up 2023. We're going into 2024. What might people be interested in? We've done podcasts on goals and habits and things like that. And it's one thing I hear a lot, especially after people have spent time, you know, at family gatherings or work gatherings or what have you. They're like, why are people not doing the work? You know, especially those like, I'm here every week, I'm here every other week, right, type of client. It's like, you know, I'm doing it. Why, why isn't everybody else doing this? It's so beneficial. It's so helpful. And so today we're going to talk about some of those reasons why people are stuck and, you know, what prevents them from doing this work. Mm -hmm. And are we talking about like broad work, like learning um, how to communicate better, learning skills and strategies for mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, good thing. Yeah. When I say the work, I'm just talking about whatever goals someone might have in, as far as mental health goes. Yeah. Why they're in therapy, mm -hmm. growing and just becoming a better version of themselves, whatever that entails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what makes it so hard to change or become like pick up a new habit? Mm. Several things. I think, you know, one of them is fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing the things that I'm used to doing, right. The ways I'm used to coping, the ways I'm used to communicating, then what does that even look like? You know, what does another opportunity or a different way even look like? They're, they're not familiar with another version. Maybe they've never seen it modeled for them. Yeah. So exactly. If, you know, you grew up with parents that fought all the time when there was a differing opinion about whether to spend money or not spend money that was modeled to you as a child that when you have a differing opinion you escalate and fight mm -hmm. so it's like muscle memory yep yeah there's a lot of uh comfort in what's familiar mm -hmm. right like i know this behavior that's comfortable to me and this unknown behavior that you're talking about this healthy communication this 
you know, what a self-care or whatever. I don't know that. That's unfamiliar. That's scary. What if I'm not good at it? What if, you know, what if it doesn't work? Mm. Yeah. The, um, the protector parts and in internal family therapy systems model suggests that you're, you're doing a protective uh, mechanism or behavior to keep yourself safe and secure. So if there's change, that means you got to sort of adapt to a new way of doing your action tendencies. Yeah. And that can be very scary for someone who is, has experienced a lot of trauma growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels like, I'm not even sure how I want to word this, but like I'm thinking almost like a threat to the internal like equilibrium, like the internal checks and balances that you've developed over time to feel safe and secure, even though that might be a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The alternative in your exile part of yourself, that's your inner child. The alternative is to feel scared and vulnerable. So your protective yeah. part goes ahead and engages in that same behavior where it made you feel safe or comfortable. Mm-hmm. Hiding in your room, going outside, yelling. Yeah. Uh, self-isolating, eating in excess to comfort self, drinking, any ways you have used to cope with external stimuli, stressors that you can't control as a kid, you want to go back to because your brain remembers, oh, that face, I know what that means. Right? Yeah. An example that's coming to my mind right now is boundaries setting boundaries with people. That's a big one when it comes to fear of unknown. If I tell this person, no, I don't know how they're going to react. If I tell them, yes, I know how it's going to, I know it's going to be okay. They're going to be happy. They want me to do this. I tell them, yes, I do it. Even though I don't want to, it makes me miserable. There's no conflict. Conflict is scary. I'm not willing to go there getting comfortable with being uncomfortable a big one as has been a common theme in in therapy is um can you get comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah and what if the listeners know you think they know what i mean by being uncomfortable if not let's let's go ahead and talk let's talk about it let's explain it right like stepping outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. right that's uncomfortable yeah so getting comfortable with being even just you know a little bit outside of that Mm -hmm. yeah and in EFT we talk about the leading edge of emotion Mm -hmm. just going out to that the edge I feel scared and I really want this I really want to go see those mountains in on the west side in the Yosemite. And I'm also very scared in this airplane. And the distress tolerance of feeling yucky and 
anxious and panicky on a plane, mm -hmm. I have to get willing to be uncomfortable for the beauty I will see. Mm. Yeah. So change. Good example. Yeah. You like that one, Rachel? I, mean, I do. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A willingness to be temporarily uncomfortable so that you can accomplish, you know, a goal or a longing, like what you're wanting to do. And in couples therapy is, hey, uh, when you, you talk like that to me, I shut down and I don't speak what my unmet needs are or longings. Uh, I let you have your way. So there's no conflict because I'm conflict avoidant for fear I'll be abandoned because possibly someone close to me left me behind. Okay. Yeah. Comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Which might start out as just saying, it's really hard for me to talk to you about my feelings. I mean, that might be uncomfortable enough for yeah. someone. Right. Yeah. So if you picture like a circle or a square, that edge uh, right on that edge is what we're talking about. The leading edge, right? right? We don't want you to be three feet outside of the circle, you know, automatically. We just want you to be right on the edge. And as we do that, then that it's going to grow and expand as you get more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe taking a small plane ride, if you were fearful yeah. 30 minute airplane ride. Yes. Yes. Good example. And like you said, Hey, I'm scared to have this conflict with you. I'm scared to even tell you I'm having a differing idea here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think something that kind of goes in line with those fears is the negative self-talk that mm -hmm. we experience right? When we consider doing something new, right? Yeah. And just consider stepping outside of our comfort zone. Oh, I could never do that. Mm. You know, that, that's an example. If you tell yourself you can never do something, then you're right. Mm -hmm. If you tell yourself, I'll be scared and really uncomfortable, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be, I can give it a try. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Rachel, we talked about the self-fulfilling prophecy. I won't ever be able to do anything new. I can't possibly travel. So you're, you're speaking that out there and your brain's telling you, no, you, you couldn't possibly, you know, change or do yeah. something. Yeah, like it, that you literally convince yourself that you're not capable. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm just too big of a chicken. I'm, I'm scared of everything. I could never put myself out there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Some common cognitive uh, distortions, you know, and I know that we do more emotion drives behavior and in this particular podcast, I like to talk about the cognitive distortions that might block people from 
getting on the leading edge of change or stepping out of what's comfortable. And I think these are common blocks. You, you clarify. Yeah. Yeah. All or nothing thinking. Oh yeah. Is that the same as black and white? Yes. Is that different? Okay. Same thing. Yeah. Well, if, if Rachel and I don't sound perfect or our communication isn't exactly the way, say Joe Rogan's podcast sounds, we should never do a podcast. See that never, yeah, yep. not perfect comparison. Yeah. How does that block people from growth? Oh my gosh. It's, I think that one of the most common ones I hear is, uh, and people don't usually say this like out loud, but there's this like subliminal message as they're speaking, right? It's like, I'm either a winner or a loser. Mm-hmm. I'm either successful or a failure. Mm. I think that is the most common one I run into talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm either worthy or worthless. Ooh. Like, I mean, it's just like these extremes, right. That are related to their, um, achievement or, you know, like, you know, their capability. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, here comes one of my stories. I love it. I trained to be a majorette, twirl batons, do the rifle. You too, Rachel. Yes. Majorettes here. Yep. And I got to my senior year. I was up for making captain or co-captain and worked all summer, hours and hours trying to get that powerful position. Mm. Co-captain of a majorette squad. And much to my disappointment, I failed to be the co-captain and oh. went through this depressed teenage existential crisis. I'm being sure. exact. I'm exaggerating. It's crushing though, as a senior in high school, you want that leadership role. You worked so hard for it. And then, yeah, disappointed. Yeah. yeah so all or nothing. I didn't make co-captain, so I must not be good enough majorette. I must suck. I'm the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So pivot, got back out there, twirled that baton, and did my thing. Ooh. I had some anxiety, though. And overcame all the panic attacks and stuff that you were having. That's incredible. Yeah. Ooh. Window of tolerance, going to the leading edge of what's comfortable and not absolutely yeah good example uh another cognitive distortion is disqualifying the positive i hear this yeah have you heard yourself or other people disqualify the positive gosh Yeah. Well, is this like it, in, with people that say, um, I'm not an optimist. I I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. They're disqualifying any potential positive. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And from the neuroscience, we know the optimists have better mental health, even though their, their optimism is not reality. Huh. They're more hopeful. They're more hopeful. Yeah. And when you have an event, say like, you know, you go to, uh, you go to this theme park and a couple of the coasters are down, you disqualify all the other coasters that were running. Yeah. Like, well, oh, yeah. this one that's broke down is the only one I came for. It's the, it's the best ride in the park. So this was a huge waste of money. Miserable day. Yeah. 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 Instead so, of like, I could still have a good time. There's still like 20 other coasters I can ride. Maybe I find a, a new favorite or a second favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So noticing what's good versus all that's wrong or bad or what didn't go right. Yeah. Yeah. How would you, because I think there's a delicate balance there mm-hmm. when when you're interacting with someone else, like if someone else is talking about how disappointed they are, you know, we talk about validation. We want to meet them where they're at versus like finding the silver lining and being like, Oh, it's okay. Like focus on all this positive stuff. Where, how would you describe kind of like the line there? Cause we don't want to be like, what is it called? Toxic positivity. Good, you remembered it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, toxic positivity is dismissing people's negative experiences or disappointments. And disqualifying the positive is you went to the park and your favorite coaster was down. That sucks. And you got to ride the merry-go-round. You love that one two things are happening at the same time yeah like acknowledging both yes and not disqualifying either we don't want to disqualify all the negatives we don't want to disqualify all the positives okay yeah that's so good rachel toxic positivity yeah it's out there Mm -hmm. i like some some good motivational preachers and Sometimes people would accuse them of being too positive. Sometimes you need some optimism like that. Yeah, you need a reframe because it's not always easy to see it. You know, when you're like in that dark place, it's hard to remember, you know, what, what you have to be grateful for. Yeah. It's not always got to be conspiracy theories and doomsday. Yeah. All life's not that. Good example. <laughs> um, another one is should statements. A thought oh. process influenced by rewards and punishment mentality in which one motivates oneself with the thought. These are so powerful should statements. I should weigh 95 pounds. 
Why? It's what the dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what the doctor said. <laughs> well, not happening. Yeah. And how can that be emotionally drained and resentful? It creates this like negative view of yourself when you're not able to meet that expectation. You know, you just, you feel like you're not like meeting the bar, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your expectations are not in line with reality. I should wake up at 5 a.m. and work out from 5 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. before I start my day. <laughs> if yeah. I can't do that, well, I'm a failure in the gym. I'm not going back. Yeah. yeah. Should Shoulds make you feel, like you just said, not meeting the bar. And so change can't happen because there's no atomic habits towards micro change all or nothing back to that too i should be doing yes yes yeah so those are kind of some cognitive distortions that might get in the way of taking a step out of that window of tolerance there the uncomfortable space Mm -hmm. these mental blocks that get in there do you think absolutely i think they they prevent people from fully processing emotion because what you were just talking about with the shoulds I think comes up a lot when I'm working uh, with folks experiencing grief Hmm. I should have done x y and z with this person while I had the chance and I didn't and I that was just so hard for people to move past yeah Hmm. Yeah. You, do you think that's external or internal, like influence in their thought process when it comes to grief? Oh, good question. I didn't mean to yeah, catch. That's, that's okay. No, I like the question. I like making me think. I I think it's internal. Hmm. You say. Feel free to disagree. There's a lot of mixed messaging out there, okay? There's this guy I follow on Instagram. He's fantastic. He's from Australia. He's in the psychology field. And he says, you know, expecting people to treat parental figures in a positive way after having been abused or, Mm. you know, had toxic relationships but expecting them to show up in the end of life care. I'm not, I'm not saying this is someone's situation, just given exactly what I was thinking in my mind, but didn't say out loud exact example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You did what you had a tolerance to do felt comfortable with doing given your personal circumstances, limitations, and how you felt about that person while they were alive. How does that land? hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I should have visited more. I should have brought him more food. I should have bought him more makeup. I should have gone taken him on a trip. I should. Could you have though? Could you have done all those things without feeling 
would they have really appreciated and valued it? Like, yeah. Or would they have used you the whole time? Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Did you not do those things because you were setting healthy boundaries for yourself? Yes, that's why. Having regret for acting against your true self and what you needed. Nah. Goes back to that, I think, um, was it black? I would call it black and white, but the book called it something else. What was it? Atomic Habits. All or nothing. Oh, all or nothing. Think, right? Like I'm either a good child or a bad child and a good child would have done this. So therefore I should have done this to be good some of these like kind of they go hand in hand huh oh yeah yeah definitely and so that that I think those are the major ones that come up I think as far as blocking there's more cognitive distortions of course those seem to be the main ones that those are really common yeah I think we've we've seen all of those yeah yeah Another thing is lack of direction and just feeling overwhelmed, you know, which I I think is also really common. People are like, I have all of these, you know, things that I want to change in my life and I just don't know where to start. And I just feel like I've waited for too long. And you know what, at this point, I'm just used to it. So it's fine. Mm Hmm. Yeah, getting stuck and just, you know, feeling overwhelmed kind of tricks the brain into just not doing. Yeah, freezing. Yeah, yeah, freezing, procrastinating. Mm -hmm. I'll deal with it later. I'll have time. Yeah, yeah, that, that can show up quite often for folks. Yeah. Do you want me to go on to the next one? Sure, yeah. Past trauma, which is what Miss Rachel and I were talking about earlier, is if I do A, then B will happen. So the brain doesn't discriminate between what happens right now and what happened back then. Yeah. That reprogramming there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's why EMDR and some of these other methods are becoming popular because your brain gets stuck even if you're not in that same life-threatening situation. You just go, or you fight or you run. Yeah, feels like you got pulled right back into the past in this moment in time when you felt really unsafe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like ways of overcoming past trauma is going through emotionally focused individual therapy with a trained therapist like Rachel and working on those inner child obstacles for change. Because if you go back and reparent her or him, you know, then what happens? Yeah. You become unstuck. This part of you that is still living in the past kind of gets caught up with present day you know, you're able to self-soothe mm. whenever that comes up. So you don't get as activated, you know, you don't shut down or 
fight as much. Exactly. So trauma doesn't have to determine your future outcome. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But we understand it's hard to talk about. And I think that's one thing that prevents people from change too, is there's, especially in our like very individualistic society, that's like, everyone should just, you know, brush the dirt off and and move on, sweep it under the rug. It's, it's like, there's Mm -hmm. some shame in that. Why can't I get over this thing that happened so long ago? which is really sad. I hate that that's that stigma is still there a little bit. Yes. Yes. And I'm reading, I wanted to show this to our, our listeners is the anxious achiever by Maura Aaron's Mel. I just started this one. I'm going to use it today's pod or zoom awesome. call. Uh, talks about that. Like this, it's a Harvard written book. She said that now you're not seeing CEOs come in with this, individualistic wrap it up get it done mentality she said we're evolving in the corporate world to say I have anxiety and I'm here today I didn't sleep I'm still here so they're getting vulnerable whereas some CEOs grew up in that era of just you know what Brene Brown talks about soldier Mm -hmm. on that's Mm -hmm. We're, we're kind of fading away from that. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited this week. One of my clients came in and I was talking about how they had used a feelings wheel in their like corporate job that I think they did a training or something. I was like, yay. Okay. EFT. That's so exciting to hear. I, I hope it like expands and becomes more common. Yeah. It's just too much masking. There's been too much masking in the world. And if COVID did anything, that's what she talks about in the book. If COVID did anything, it helped us unmask. Be more real. We're all vulnerable. Yes. We love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. What about support? Support's important when it comes to change, huh? Necessary. I can't emphasize enough getting a counselor. I know this is my business and I do make an income from it. Yes, we're biased and. And I've been in my own counseling since I was 12 and I still go to counseling today. And I'm not a bit afraid to share that counseling is a support. It's unbiased. It's non-judgmental. They help you find the reasons why you do what you do. It's it's amazing. Yes. So yeah. If, if you don't have family support, you yes. certainly need a counselor. Yes. In order to change, you need someone. You have to have someone in your corner cheering for you, believing that you can do it. If you don't have that, it may not be impossible, but it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, you can read as many self-help books as you want to. If you don't have an older, wiser, other support. You can go back to the old behaviors that you've always done because you don't know what you're troubleshooting on your own. 
And God can help you do those things. And having a human being support you in that is, you're going to see tremendous growth, not little growth. Yeah. Someone there for accountability, someone to celebrate with when, you know, like, oh, someone wanted me to do something. I really didn't want to do it. And I, I told them no. It's like, yay. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, yeah. It feels so good to have someone that's like, this person understands how big of a deal this is, how hard that was for me, you know, to set this boundary or achieve this goal. And, you know, to other people might be like, so what big deal? Like you should always been doing that. Right. That should. Oh, the should come back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Support cannot mm-hmm. stress enough how important it is. And that prevents a lot of people, I think, from change and if you don't have the resources for counseling there's the mops program at local churches there are lots of online free support groups for addiction so many ways to get some support safely and healthy now now if you go in there and it's toxic walk back out (laughs) yes Cause that's not support if it's toxic, right? That's right. Yeah, I'd be feeling. advertised as support, but yeah, you decide whether it actually is or not for you. And you'll know, cause your inner child will protest. Listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Probably your protector part more than your inner child. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of those parts you're going to, you're going to feel it. It's important to listen to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Another big one is perfectionism and fear of failure. Yeah, this is, this is troubling. <laughs> it's it's so big. Troubling. Oh, common. It's big. Yeah. I see it all the time. So hard for people to break out of um yeah and perfectionism is if I don't do it perfectly then I'm not doing it at all yep nothing yeah yep yeah if I have one hair out of the place I won't do a tiktok who cares just go with it yeah if I can't guarantee I'm going to get that job, I won't even apply. Yep. The fear of failure. And what did Michael Jordan do when he failed in high school, making the high school basketball team? Made it to the NBA. There you go. I kept practicing. Mm-hmm. You can't fear failure. Got to go out there and being willing to risk falling down is the best growth I've ever had in life. Yeah. You got to redefine what is failure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe failure is not trying at all. No, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot more growth, uh, the more you do something and don't necessarily accomplish 
what you set out to achieve, you know, cause you're going to learn something in that process and then you can, you know, make some tweaks, adjustments, try again, and, and you're going to be better the second time. Rachel, did you hear Brene Brown say that? Like, if you're not in the ring, stop criticizing people that are in the <laughs> ring. I did not hear that or I've forgotten, but I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's outside the ring in the, in the, you know, the stands and they're going, well, if I had been there, I would have done this. Right. Ooh, <laughs> so all this, what? Okay. Hop in. You're up next. Let's see how you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that analogy. I love that analogy. So what else is obstacle to change? I'm checking out Rachel's notes there. Yeah, I think the last one we have is, um, you know, addiction and unhealthy coping skills because people get really, really trapped in those cycles and they're, they can be difficult to get out of. Mm hmm. Yeah. If my self-soothing comes from, you know, something external that's harmful to my body and mind, I'm likely to go back to it because it's soothing me for the moment. Get a little release of serotonin and oxytocin in my brain. I just want to keep going back to that because that's what feels good for now. And the problem with that is what I'm using to self-soothe is also creating other problems in my life that cause me to need to self-soothe more, you know, and it just around and around it goes, right? Yeah. I use this substance or I gamble or whatever, and then I have, you know, conflict in all my relationships and then I need, you know... I feel ashamed. One. Yeah. Sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. Yeah. A common one is pornography, is viewing pornography in excess. Mm -hmm. Then when you're with your partner, you can't perform. So that's that is changing your arousal feedback. So that may feel good at the time to look at and have those feelings. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to be with your partner, that doesn't work the same so you get disappointed and go back to that behavior which gets you minimal you know minimal serotonin release yeah tolerance tolerance yeah, up. yeah. And you're, you know with all addictions I think over time it's just eroding the connections that you have with other people mm, well said yeah, it, because it's creating this really strong connection to, you know, whatever that vice is. Yeah, perfectly said. Yeah, so that attachment is the vice, not a person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we so had human connection begins to feel really risky and, and, and intimidating and scary. But that's what you need in order to have the support to overcome the addiction it's just it, it's just really complex yeah that's true that is so true like the person is what's needed to create secure bonding healthy bonding yeah 
that's well stated. Thanks. Yeah. Hmm. I hope this was really helpful to our listeners to understand what some blocks are to making small changes in your life. Yeah. Or even understanding, you know, the other people in your life that, you know, and maybe why it's been so difficult for them to change or what's, what's prevented that. Yeah. And have a lot of grace for them and yourself, compassionate grace around life experiences. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time, we wish you well. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.